Talking Football with Rob Daniels and Vince Tracy. Talking Football. So, a very good day, everybody. Welcome to our football podcast with Vince and Rob. And uh, we have the 17th of August as our date today. That's 2023, of course. Uh, and our weather, roasting hot, uh, muggy, humid, bit unpleasant. But at the same time, it's August. What else would you expect? Going due west, about an hour, sensible driving, I should find Rob. Uh, very good morning to Rob. How are you today and what's your weather like? Yeah, good morning Vince, good morning everybody. The weather down here um, today, again it's very hot, but we aren't as humid as you are, where you are. Um, because you're sort of like, we're, we're on the coast, more or less, but you're sort of stuck out on the coast, out where there's like promontory that goes out and it's, it gets very humid there. And it also gets hotter. So we've got bright sunshine, um, the sun is breaking the stones, as they say. Um, it is extremely hot, but it's not muggy. Um, so it's a lot more pleasant to actually, if you've got to go out, which we all have to do, um, it's, it's better to go out when the sun's shining than when it's overcast, yeah? Right. But yeah, it's, 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 so it, we are in August, aren't we? Right. Okay, then, uh, I'm going to go straight on. You've got the running order, and we're going to start off by looking at the uh, Ladies' World Cup. Okay, so, Rob, uh, it's turned out that the two teams that we would want to get to the final have done so. Spain will be playing England in the final. Uh, I'm really glad the Americans went out. Arrogance personified. They've had the money. They've had the uh, few years when it looks like they haven't had as much competition as they could have had. They couldn't even be bothered to stand and sing the song of their country properly when the country pays for them to go uh, on the trips and then uh, they've got so much money that uh, really they couldn't care less anymore. So unfortunately, um, we've said goodbye at the moment on this tournament. Good riddance. Uh, to a team that uh, is not really being represented well by its players. However, uh, if we look on the other side, and what is really astonishing is that neither Spain nor England have been in a final of the Women's World Cup. Um, all the more so, it's really because Spain had nothing but problems prior to this tournament. Um, we had all the petulance, all the stuff that I've just been criticised in America for. Um, the old guard had been doing exactly the same here in Spain. But then, to be fair, Spain had never done anything. So why they could become so petulant is quite astonishing, really, because they've done nothing. But well done to Spain. And we'll go to that game first, in which they overcame Sweden in their semi-final. So, Rob, I'm sure your heart must have missed a beat here or there. Well, um, it was very, very exciting, uh, to be honest, Vince. Um, it, yeah, it ended up Spain 2, Sweden 1, it, but it wasn't certain until the final whistle went. And, um, yeah, it, 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 Spanish people now, um, last week, for example, nobody seemed to be talking about it that much. But uh, as from the day before yesterday, which is when, uh, the, yeah, when Spain won against Sweden, now the whole country is talking about it. And as you say, the uh, Spanish women's team, they did have some uh, pestilence, didn't they? They they were going to refuse to play under the manager that they had and things like that. But that seems to be sorted out and they've got a really good team. And uh, yesterday, the, the, this was the first match I actually watched live because it, it, they've worked it out. Uh, so it, it works out for European time. So I think it start, kicked off about midday um, European time yesterday, the Australia-England match. And um, that was a good one. England went ahead in the first half, so when they went in at half-time, it was... Uh, 
Hang on, Neil Rob. Rob whoa, whoa, whoa. We were talking about Spain, so stay with Spain for the moment. Oh, sorry, 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 Rich. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, now, now, the one thing that was interesting, I had um, uh, some Spanish visitors down from the Basque country, and they were delighted to be able to tell me that they had a girl from Sopalana, where they live, in the team. Now, they didn't, uh, they'd never heard of her. They <laughs> had no knowledge whatsoever. So that was interesting. Uh, the other thing that I picked up was that there was a girl who had switched from athletics uh, to um, to football and had been a bit of a star. And uh, she was the girl that scored at the first of Spain's goals. And, um, you know, I was delighted, obviously, because of the way that Spain had played their football. They were attractive in far more ways than just um, the way that they did look nice. Uh, they looked as if they wanted to play for the country. They played a lovely, attractive type of football. And, um, yes, I'm pleased that Spain have got there. But now we'll turn our attention uh, with uh, Rob to what he saw yesterday uh, when, uh, don't forget, these are now Lionesses, not a football team, it's Lionesses. They've been become part of the English and American style branding. You know, you've got to have the Lionesses were playing the Matildas. Let's be honest about it. It was the England ladies football team were playing the Australian ladies football team. Marketing guys have got in there. All this American rubbish is coming in, seeping into the uh, the whole bloomin' kit and caboodle. Uh, Rob, am I uh, wrong or do you see the same things? Vince, we haven't spoken about this um, pre well, uh, before we did the podcast, but that is exactly what I was going to say to you. Um, exactly the same thing. that um, I put it on, on the BBC. I thought um, an hour before the match kicked off because... Uh, they, they did a lead up for an hour and I was going to turn it off because the uh, this, it was that Gabby Yorath um, commentator who's quite good normally. But all she talked about was the Lionesses and the Matildas. And it's like they didn't mention the, the England women team against Australians women team. And um, yeah, it was just, I found it very, very over the top. I mean, I think they give them these sort of nicknames and why? Um well, it's, yeah, it should be. England, England women against Australian women. And Alex Scott actually was there also presenting. Um, who's actually played in World Cups before. Before it was uh, publicly funded, actually. She played um, in World Cups before there was any uh, public money going in. She was the only person there who actually mentioned the fact, the names of the countries that are the lionesses against the Matildas. It's like, that makes no sense, does it? It's England women against Australian women. However, when the match kicked off, um, it was a good match, and the players, um, I think, ignore all that kind of background stuff. So they went at half time, it was 1 0 to England. Now, Australia came back, it was a brilliant goal. It, it was a shot from about yeah, 50 yards out. Yeah, absolute cracker, wasn't it? Um, to bring uh, Australia back 1 1. And everybody thought, well, people talked before the match started that it might go to extra time and even to penalties. But then England got the second goal in, and so it was 2-1. And he, then uh, the girl, uh, Alexis Rusa, who is a really good footballer, actually. She was uh, one of the stars of the uh, Euros last year. She got the third goal in um, about 96 minutes. No, 86 minutes, I think it was. And that just finished the Australians off. You could see it's unfortunate for them because they're playing at home. They've got all the crowd there. And you could just see that their heads went down. And they knew they'd lost the match. And uh, so it's unfortunate for Australia that they lost. But it was a very good football match, I thought. Yes, uh, I thought it was a great game. I thought that, um, you know, like yourself, I, I, I'm getting frustrated by the leakage of American culture into our English and Englishness. Um, you know, for example, if you go to the Mail Online uh, what they're doing now is they're, uh, you've, you, it's all it's all the American news. Uh, so for sort of the first half of the uh, session, you've got to wade through American nonsense, um, stuff that you really, 
you know, you, you don't want. And um, it's all the American expressions. And you can see this leaking into the TV. You know, uh, they, they, um, mm. they, you know, you, I, somebody dropped a vase. You know, it isn't a vase, it's a vase. You know, learn the English language. If you want to use it, learn it. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's just a bit frustrating. But I think um, the problem, as you see, it's American uh, influence into ladies' football has been going on for a long, long time. And they try their best to uh, take over everything. And unfortunately, um, now they've got some... I, I, I just don't know whether it's another part of a plan. It's definitely keeping people sort of, um, you know, uh, occupied rather than seeing what's going on, Rob. It, well, it is, and it's, it's, it's giving them these sort of, like, nicknames. Which I, I don't think they asked for, particularly the players didn't ask for, um, to try and create something more interesting than it actually it's, it actually is. I mean, it's England women against Australian women, but they say, oh, they're lionesses against the Matildas. But I think that takes away from the actual uh, sport that's being played on the pitch, because the women who are actually playing on the pitch are playing seriously, and we have seen some very very good football uh, throughout the tournament, haven't we? And um, I was thinking the other day when we, we've been talking uh, previously about how it's different to male football. Now, um, the best thing that I could think of was uh, basketball against netball. Yeah, mm -hmm. because basketball is the game that the men play generally and it's like fast end to end stuff. But netball is what when I was at school, at least it was what the girls used to play. And it's more precise. Yeah. Um, they can't move about as fast and they have to get things. And, and they, these uh, women, they are very precise. I mean, some of the shots um, and the goalkeepers are very good as well. But it, it, they aren't as big as the men. So they're not against um, defenders, for example, who are sort of like six foot wide and things like that. So there seems to be more um, space on the pitch and... It's actually growing on me um, in in the sense that I, I can appreciate the skill that they've got. Oof, it doesn't mean I'm gonna. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't mean I'm gonna watch the uh, English Premier League every week or anything like that. But you, you actually see that these, yeah, they, they are very skillful, aren't they? And they are they are the best in the world. Um, all the teams that have played, I don't think any team has let themselves down. I've got to say, when you look at the skill factor, now I watched um, a couple of the little chips that uh, the girls were putting in from the wing um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's old speak, but at the same time, that's what's going on. You can give all the modern uh, connotations and whatever, but it's the winger chipping the ball in and they were absolutely superb the way they were playing the game. Um, they put a couple of really uh, grotty final passes here and there, which did show a little bit of um, maybe inexperience. But I would rate it certainly um, about Division 1 or Division 2 in the men's game. But, um, you know, you, you can say what you want and any, anybody can disagree with me. But I think it's been a whole exercise in marketing and I think the whole thing is now to see how much uh, we can diminish the Premier League if you think about it there's a current onslaught with the um, the Arab money going in as if you know it may be just water being poured out of a jug absolutely ridiculous so I thought it was all just about the Arabs until we came to our second talking point because now I think uh, maybe you'll see some of the relevance of some of my off the wall, off the wall remarks, which every now and again. Uh... <laughs> so if you just mention when the final is, Vince, uh, just so that everybody knows, the final Spain against England is on Sunday this Sunday, and it's at uh, midday Central European time. So uh, we should all be able to watch it, and that's when the final is. Okay. Um, I'm. I, I'm, I'm I'm split between the two. Whichever team wins, I'll be happy.
Okay, it's nice to see Rob uh, happy because obviously uh, languishing in the championship. We're going to have a little peep later to see where Rob's Leeds United are leading at the moment. But uh, staying with this um, uh, rather strange theme that I want to develop, I think we need to. You know, if you're going to have a football podcast, by all means, go and crave ratings and just uh, do everything the same as everybody else. No, uh, I'm looking at things that I think are precious. And what is precious is the Premier League. Don't forget, it was changed. It was the Football League Division 1. And then the English decided to revamp it. Probably, looking back now, it was probably um, urged by the Americans, I would imagine. And now you can see maybe there's a little bit more of what's going on when I tell you that not only are the Arabs putting stupid, absolutely crazy money in front of the Premier League players so that they'll go and join the camel racing division out in the desert. Um, then uh, now we've got Chelsea, who are somehow managing to contravene or play round the fair play rules that's in place for everybody else. Um, because Chelsea have confirmed the signing of Moises Caicedo um, on an eight-year deal after agreeing a British re- uh, record £115 million deal. Now, the guy's happy to join Chelsea because he's been a Chelsea fan. So although Jurgen Klopp wanted him there, um, then obviously uh, it, it should be, and it always hopefully will be, the wish of the player that somewhere goes into the mix. If he wants to play for Chelsea, why would I want him to come to Anfield? Go to Chelsea. Go and play for Chelsea. And when Chelsea don't win anything or whatever, you know, the time is to move on, uh, we'll have another go at maybe getting your services. But I don't want you playing for Liverpool if you'd prefer to play for Chelsea. But why would Chelsea not only pay £115 million for that player, then come up with more money, which they can't afford and shouldn't be able to afford, for a second player that Liverpool need and want. And obviously, uh, they have been trying to get hold of another player called Lavia, I think his name is. And unfortunately, uh, Chelsea are trying to get this player as well. Now, we've got Manchester United doing it. We've got Manchester City doing it. I don't think Liverpool can be accused of doing it because they've only got two signings from the uh, transfer window we're looking at. So, uh, Arsenal, uh, Tottenham. I mean, all these play, uh, teams have been... Uh, I mean, it's almost like going up to the Alvair Hell uh, Sunday market and picking a new shirt. I mean, it's ridiculous, the money that has been spent. But let's look at um, the highest um, total transfer spend in world football. And this is from summer 2023, um, or is it 2022, beg your pardon, to August 2023. Will you pick that up for me, Rob, and look at those figures for me? Well, um, the the highest transfer um, spend in the world from summer 2022 until the 15th of August 23. Um, Chelsea coming at the top, they've spent £804 million. Pounds. Um I think I've said that right because these figures are astronomical, aren't they? So it's eight hundred four million point three million pounds. Man United has spent three hundred seventy four point four million. Um, Arsenal has spent three hundred seventy two point two million. Spurs um, have wasted um, three hundred nineteen point seven million. Then we've got Paris Saint Germain coming. Um, then we've got Newcastle, actually. I, I didn't realise Newcastle spent that much, uh, but they, they spent 291. Um, the Bayern Munich, um, they just bought Harry Kane, haven't they, which we'll talk about soon. But, uh, yeah, they, they come in after that, 255. Then Man City, 233 million, we're talking about, not just pounds. Um, and West Ham are actually uh, up there as well. And Liverpool come in somewhere sort of down the line. They, they Liverpool apparently spent 214 Point five million, um, but that yeah, they, they've done some uh, precise signings. I mean, this like Casado from he's Equatorian, he's a defensive midfielder. He's twenty one years old. Um, now, w- 
why have they... It's, it's, I don't know, what to say how he plays, but I mean, spending £115 million to buy a 21-year-old uh, defensive midfielder from Ecuador, um, we'll have to see if, he, if he's any good or not, but uh, it seems to me it's, it's waste, well, wasted money. You'd stick him onto the apprentice, shouldn't you, really, at that age? Well, the, the greatest possible thrill I will get is seeing uh, maybe somebody not, um, don't even mind if it's not my own team when I say this, uh, come in and um, uh, play like, for example, Brighton played last year. Um, you know, come in and uh, just show us that this is obscene money, which is just hoping, like the Americans always do, to buy success. And, you know, unfortunately, um, I'm thinking back to last year when Graham Potter was at Brighton. They did it with the managers and they've done it with certain managers. And, of course, the thing is, you see, you can blame a manager for when you don't win something. It's nice and easy. You know, you don't blame the team. You blame the manager. Get rid of him. Hey, get a new one. Um, All this is just nonsensical. And it makes a farce of the football that we've been enjoying. Now, if you can't see that there's now a combined assault going on. There's the um, money that's coming in from the Saudis, which is ridiculous money. Okay, they're not buying exactly top of the range at the moment. They've uh, just come off the, the top sparkling part of their career and maybe you can't blame them for buying into a huge salary. Jordan Henderson's one that springs to my mind because there was no way anybody was going to pay him that sort of money um, because he's got to a stage of his career where he's obviously going to go a little bit um, downhill. I don't mean to mean to be nasty, but I mean, you've got to be... Well, yeah, his age and after the career he's had in the injury, well, sort of injuries, he hasn't had any major injuries, I don't think, but the way that the position he plays in, I thought he'd go back to Sunderland, to be honest, um, to, to finish his career where he, where he started. But no, he, he went to Saudi. Um, I was surprised about that. Well, he went to Saudi where he told everybody else it was obscene because of the way they treat uh, certain parts of the community and he trotted out all the uh, coloured uh, colours of the rainbow plus the LGBTQ XYZ put sugar on your bread, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, it just, it just goes on and on and on, this nonsense, and it's all very well uh, if everybody swallows it because we're all busy watching football matches. See, the thing is, while they're doing this, they're planning the end of the Premier League. That's what they're trying to plan, or planning the demise of the the greatness of the Premier League. That is what is going on. If you can't see it, I'm afraid I think I can. What do you think? I can see it as well, Vince. Um, I can see it very clearly. And uh, it's not just the Premier League. It's, they're trying to... Um, all of the major leagues in Europe, all of the major domestic leagues in Europe, they're trying to do the same with them as well. But as we concentrate on the Premier League, because that's what we're interested in, yes, that it's very obvious. And they don't hide it either. They don't hide the fact that that's what they're trying to do. But... Um, well, we'll just have to wait well, and see creative. what happens. But it, 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 it's, it's happening at the moment, isn't it? Let's face it. Well, it's creative accounting. So, you know, I, I don't blame Chelsea for trying to buy success because they're not playing for success at the moment. I mean, it was a good game, Liverpool and Chelsea at the weekend. We'll talk about that later. But um, look at the fact that, you know, they've been selling players to bring in other players and if they've been selling players from their own academy uh, then obviously you know uh, there's a better uh, way of maybe looking at profit and loss and things like that I want you to pick up um, the second paragraph on the Chelsea stuff I sent you when a team sell a player can, can you read that one for me please um, ah yeah when, when the team sell uh, I'm reading this from something Vince sent me okay uh, all this is when a team sell a player all of the profits go to the account straight away. To use another example, uh, Kai Havertz cost Chelsea £71 million in 2020, which that equates to £14 million a year over his five-year contract. That when he was sold to Arsenal this summer for around £65 million, he had around £28.4 million of value left on the books for the final two years of his contract, meaning that the Blues could bank around 36 Points thirty six point six million pounds of profit 
and profit is in um, in parentheses. When you sell an academy graduate, the entire amount can go on the books as they do not cost a fee. So when Chelsea sell Mason Mount to Manchester United for £55 million this summer, that entire amount goes down as pure profit in the accounts. Um, I, I did realise that actually before, but um, yeah, but that is how it works, isn't it, Vince? Well, it is. Well, if you go to the next part, you may as well c- carry on reading that for us as well, please, Rob. Right. Uh, well, will it work? Clubs' accounts are published almost uh, a year after the relevant deals take place. Meaning up-to-date figures are an estimation. We do not know that last year's accounts uh, saw Chelsea post a £121 million loss for the season 21-22 before Bowley took over. The season before, that was um, a £156 million loss. Chelsea will need to keep raising funds either through player sales, increased commercial deals or prize money to keep balancing the books over a length uh, of the new signings, the new long contract signings. Um, And this is uh, um, from a a guy called Rory Smith, who's a, 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 he's a commentator on Radio 5 Live. He says, I can see how they're doing it in terms of accountancy. I don't see their, do, how they're doing it in terms of cash flow. And they found this ingenious loophole by offering players long-term contracts. It's a brilliant accounting trick, um, which basically what it is, isn't it? It's, it's accounting. Um, but they're ingenious people and they are not... Um, Playing Brighton, the nine instalments for Moses Kaiseya, uh, and they probably will pay them in three, maybe two, um, because yeah, this lad was at uh, Brighton, and uh, there was this, well, there's, there is a record signing, but yeah, uh, that is. Yeah, but let's get to I've the just let's, that. let's get to the point, really, though, Rob, because what this is all about is an area where most people, and I'll include myself certainly in this. Uh, will find it very difficult to follow loopholes. This is why they have these uh, great creative accountants who basically are like the lawyers in the courts. Rather than play to the rules that everybody else plays to, they'll find somebody who can bend the rules and just about make it legal uh, until somebody realises how unfair it is and then they'll change the rules. Now, that means that uh, a, a great club like Chelsea are now under the domicile of somebody like Todd Burley, who obviously basically thinks it's more important um, to buy up virtually every other player before anybody else. He's doing a man, uh, Real Madrid, really, isn't he? Only in, in, in the English Premier League. It, it, yeah, basically he is. Yes, he's he's trying to build up like the Galaticos uh, were in Real Madrid, where um, Florentino Perez bought all of the best players, and half of them were sitting on the bench watching the matches uh, because they couldn't all they can only get eleven players on a pitch at a time. But yeah, it's it's it, they're just spending money, spending money. But I don't think uh, Todd Burley actually understands the game of football at all, whereas Florentino Perez does, um, and. It's not something that I uh, I, I like particularly. Just buy, buying players just to keep them, so you've got them, and they might not even get on the pitch. Um, but that's what Chelsea are doing at the moment, and they had a pretty ropey season last year, didn't they? Okay. Uh, they went through. Yeah, they went. Graham Potter came and went, and they ended up with Frank Lampard back again, who was sacked at the end of the previous season, and things like that. Um, I. We'll have to see what happens with Chelsea, but the way they're going, I've got nothing against Chelsea, the football club, at all. But the way that things are going there, um, I would like to see their project fail. Well, I've got nothing against Chelsea. I enjoyed the match on Saturday. I had mm. a forecast that we'd draw, so I felt that um, you know that, that my feelings on the game were vindicated. However... What I'm reading about, and then we get messages telling us that Liverpool's have signed a new player, and then within five minutes, uh, it's been trumped by another million or another couple of million, which really none of these other clubs, certainly the clubs down the table, uh, can't afford. It is not a fair way of playing. I would dearly love the day when the Premier League and other leagues um, have a, a, a like the um, fantasy football they have a sum of money 
and every team must adhere to that sum of money. Okay, if you maybe can get round that by selling your players and and then only using that certain amount of money that you've still got from your transfer fund, but well, at the moment it's nonsense, it's not fair, and I'm afraid I've got no respect at all for what goes on in the top levels at the moment, including uh, the Arabs coming in and buying Newcastle and buying Manchester City, uh, shares in other clubs. Um, you've got uh, all sorts of American tinkering around with some of the clubs. I mean, it's just... Really, we can just look at Manchester United and Liverpool and see straight away that it's not fair to any of the other clubs at all. Ridiculous. Anyway, uh, I've had my rant, uh, so I want to move on to look at a couple of transfers. Now, Harry Kane, um, I think from what we're reading now, that his main motivation for signing for Bayern Munich was to feel the pressure of having to win titles. What he said in a rather nice way is Tottenham aren't good enough. Yes, well, people have been trying to get him to move up that people. Um, he's been at Tottenham since he was, I think he was about nine years old um, when he started um, with Tottenham, uh, went through the academy system. So, so far he's been a one-club man. And he's now England's uh, the English national team, top goal scorer, I think, of all time. Um, he's also Spurs' top goal uh, goal scorer of all time. He uh, beat Jimmy Green's record uh, last season, but he hasn't actually won anything, and that is something that I think has been nagging at him because other people. It's it's, it's all they ever talk about really about. It's not how good he is. It's about his, the fact he's never won anything. So yeah, he decided to go to Bayern Munich. He's got a very good deal actually there. And he's more or less guaranteed at least a German um, a, a, a German Bundesliga uh, winners medal. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits in with the uh, German game, because uh, also he goes there and he's Harry Kane. He's like one of the most famous footballers in the world, especially in Europe. Um, how the rest of the team work with him, how he works with them, um, but yeah, he, he hasn't actually won anything, hasn't Harry Kane? Which, uh, but. but that doesn't that didn't seem to bother him, but I think it is doing now, which is why he's gone. Okay, so uh, good luck to Harry Kane. I, yeah. I I would be very surprised if he uh, doesn't get a bit of success. But will he be happy? I think he might not be, and I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to our London, you know, and uh, obviously we'll see what happens. However, mm. um, another one that we want to discuss is Harry Maguire. So he had a £30 million move from Manchester United to West Ham, all ready to go, and he had a, a fee and a personal... Uh, um, all the bits and pieces put in place. Uh, David Moyes, I think, would have been a really good manager for him because, quite frankly, he's gone through the same problems at Manchester United as he has. Um, and, you know, because Declan Rice had gone to Arsenal, he thought, well, OK, um, well, let's get Maguire down. So um, now then, he is not very happy at being paid £7 million to leave Manchester United. Any thoughts on that one? Right, Vince. Well, Harry Maguire, as we know, he, he's got a, he's got an absolutely massive head. But um, yeah, this, this deal with West Ham, it was all just to be signed, wasn't it? And then it fell through. And I didn't realise that it was to do with the fact that Harry Maguire wasn't happy about being paid seven million to leave Manchester United. Um, I just read that the deal had fallen through at the last minute. Uh, but that's the reason that uh, Harry Maguire wasn't prepared to accept seven million to leave Man United. Well, that was that was what the payoff was, you see. And uh, there was a comment which is worth looking at from somebody in Salford, which of course is part of Manchester, or mm -hmm. at least you know is the Greater Manchester area. And uh, he is saying that uh, Maguire had it in his contract that if they qualify for the Champions League, then he is due a pay increase. Now, we should be paid this increase in line with his remaining length of contract and then be sold. Alternatively, keep him at the club and let him fight for his place. He's been unlucky, but he ain't as bad as he's made out to be. 
His issue right now is the huge magnifying glass placed on him that's uh, waiting to dissect every pass-tackle move he makes. After last night's performance, United have deeper issues in midfield to worry about. Well, we'll talk about that later, um, because quite frankly, I thought they were very ordinary against Wolves anyway. The overriding point for me is if Harry Maguire has got a little bit of sense, and I don't think he has it, it's probably because he heads the ball too much. If you um, look at all the things going through, trying to make us all believe that that's the cause of Alzheimer's in footballers, um, then, you, you know, again, look at, look at the dots and join them up. Um, it's got nothing to do with drinking too much beer, probably. Um, but then again... Well, look, look at when he went to Greece a couple of years ago and uh, got arrested because he'd spent some like £27,000 on a night out and got arrested by the Greek police um, because he'd been out drinking. So, yeah, but he, he, he heads the ball a lot and he drinks. Well, look at, the, look at this way. If you've got £70 million offered to you and you don't go to a good club like West Ham... West Ham, then, you know, you're either one greedy person who has not got a mother and father or you basically um, have got no brains because, quite frankly, it's a no-brainer. You're not doing that well at your own club. Um, so get your £70 million, Go and give a good, good account of yourself with David Moyes, who's a good manager. He's got a good team. Uh, don't forget they are playing in Europe this year, I think. Uh, I think I've got yes, that yes right. they are. Yes, they are. West Ham are, play West Ham are playing in Europe this year. So a uh, bit, bit disappointed with Harry Maguire. You know, maybe... He might be a lovely lad. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm only all everything I'm saying is only going from seeing him on TV and reading in the press. So he might be a lovely man, and I do apologise if that is the case. But for me, if you can't be happy with seven seventy, sorry, seven million pounds for yourself, uh, then you're never going to be happy in life. And um, uh, we've got something about Neymar to also talk about. So tell us what that's all about, please. Well, is Neymar, the Brazilian uh, footballer, who's now 31 years old, actually. Time flies, doesn't it? Because uh, I always think of Neymar still as being uh, a sort of like, not a teenager, but a, a, in his early 20s, maybe. But he's 31 years old now. He was playing for Paris Saint-Germain. He, he played for Real Madrid, went to Paris Saint-Germain, and now he, he's gone to a club called Al-Hilal in um in saudi arabia and the figures that we're talking about vince are just mind-blowing um he's he's look just for signing he's he's been paid millions and millions if he makes a tweet or says something on facebook um that promotes the saudi arabian system he gets something like 150 thousand pounds per tweet or per post on facebook as an extra um, excuse me, and... Rob, excuse me, £430,000 for every post or story. Now, let's be factual about this, because... It, it, that, 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 is, that is the... Yeah, I knew it was a lot, but that is how much it is. That's, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Look, the point is, he's got his private plane and lavish house... Troop of housekeepers and support staff. I'm reading all that because I have no intention of going to Saudi Arabia. It's a country which I would hate to go to. You can stuff your camels wherever you want, but get away from our football. You are trying your best to ruin good good leagues, including the Premier League, La Liga and all the other great leagues. Go and race your camels and put your money to better use. Go and help the people that need help. Get, use your money that way. You're not helping anybody at all by what you're doing. You're just feeding your own egos and trying to make football happen when you've got all the Formula One going there, the boxing. Um, you, you, I mean, goodness gracious me. You know, can't anybody else see just how blooming obvious it is? They're trying to buy everything. Come on. Get yeah, me. but they, they they announced that, don't they, Vince? As we spoke as we spoke yeah, about before, yeah, but people they, they've actually published the fact that that is what they're trying to do. So um, it's not like it, they, it's hidden. But what can anyone do to stop them? Well, it's exactly the same principle of what you're saying. It's on a website. It's exactly the same with Agenda 2030. Everybody doesn't bother to go. If everybody stopped and didn't go to uh, look at any TV for a month. All this nonsense would probably stop. 
because all this money would stop. And if the money stops, the nonsense stops. But you cannot uh, really make any sense of it other than the way I'm seeing it. I'm going to um, move, yeah, move just, on. Just a, qu a question for the listeners, actually. Vince is always talking about camel racing, but why is the camel called the sheep of the desert? Okay, I'll let you... Yeah. I'll let you let you wallow in the success of that when we get there. Uh, let's go to Rob's La Liga. So here's here's your jingle. La Liga Roundup with Rob Daniels. Thanks, Rob. Over to you then. Right, Vince, well, the league kicks off um, this weekend as well. Um, same, same time as the Premier League. It normally kicks off, um, I think, a week later or two weeks later, but it kicks off at the same time. So um, it was quite an interesting weekend. Um, one of the things that we spoke about last week um, in our podcast was about the uh, time added on rule um, at the end of 90 minutes. Now, at the Barcelona match against Osasuna, which ended up as a nil-nil draw, it was nil-nil after 90, but they added an extra 15 minutes on. Um, and the big question is, um, here in Spain at least, is how the trainers are going to... Uh, oh, sorry, it was Getafe they played against. But um, how they're going to train the teams because they don't know how much time is going to be added on. Um, because players... It's like athletes, aren't they? They plan to play uh, 90 minutes and then possibly five minutes extra. But if they're going to add 15 minutes on, it's like an extra half, a quarter of a match. Um, so that's uh, one of the talking points here at the moment. Um, the the table as it stands at the moment, we've got Atletico Madrid at the top, but they only played one match. Um, and my team, Real Sociedad, they won. Um, Real Madrid won. And we've got the next match day is kicking off tomorrow, and we've got Mallorca, who were recently promoted, um, but are quite a, a decent team. I mean, they've been uh, in La Liga many times, as we spoke about previously. They're playing very well tomorrow, and we've got Valencia against Las Palmas um, from the Canaries. Again, they haven't been in for a few years, but we spoke about them before. They're all good teams. Um, and we'll just have to say it works out, but they aren't happy. They, 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 the people in general can't understand why so much time is being added on at the end of matches, um, which we spoke about previously, and that is one of the major talking points at the moment in our Liga. But it's just started, and it's all up for grabs. Could it be another tactic to get people annoyed and fed up with football and, uh, you know, just uh, generally not happy with the 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 way things are. I mean, that, that's just another little way of doing it. Um, it, could, it, could, it might well be. I mean, I, I watched the um, Katafi uh, Barcelona match, and um, it was nil nil. And I was quite prepared to go home after the ninety minutes, um, or a few minutes added on maybe. But then you have to you have to go through it for the like next fifteen minutes, and a uh, goal could be scored one way or the other. But nobody scored, so it was a nil nil draw. And it's just like, yeah, everybody who's watching it was like, I'm too finished yet. You know, it's like, um, yeah, it, it's just dragging it out. Um, but how do, how do the players train? How do the managers train the players? Um, well, you've got to, if you, they you, don't know. Well, no, that's that's a silly excuse. I mean, r really, you you play to the whistle. The, the, yeah, but, the, yeah, the yeah, but they, normally the play, they normally go for the 90 minutes, don't no, they? If you, minutes if you, on. <laughs> Rob, if you if you train for anything, if you're training for a marathon, you don't just train 26 miles. You train to run 30 miles. I mean, come on. Uh, you've got to get real with these things. These are paid professionals, so I'm not accepting that as, a, as an excuse. Uh, let's have a peep at the championship now because, very disappointingly, I looked at Leeds because, obviously, you've just gone down. It's your team. I want you to do well. One point in the first two games. Come on, Rob. What's going on? Yes, very disappointing, Vince. I mean, we got a draw against Cardiff in the first match and then we got beaten um, away against uh, Birmingham City uh, last weekend. So, yeah, we've got one point out of uh, the first two matches. But looking at the table, because there are 22 teams in, in, that, uh, in the Championship, we aren't even in a relegation position, only having one point. 
Um, but as we mentioned before, this is probably the most competitive um, league because there, there are 22 teams who all want to either stay in, go to the Premier League, or yeah, they don't want to get relegated. And it is very, very competitive. And most of the teams that are in there are sort of household names. Um, we're playing West Brom tomorrow night, the Baggies. We're playing at home um, tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Um, I, I wouldn't like to predict as a result on that. I hope that Leeds will get it. But, uh, you know, West Brom are a top-class team as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's all to fight for. And we've had a, a pretty mediocre start, to be honest. Right, well now we get down to the business end. We've got to start looking at the Premier League and we'll make a prediction for the World Cup Finals. So let me just get a little bit of music. Here we go. Bit of music to clear your mind as we go, first of all, then, to your predicted score for the Women's World Cup. What do you reckon? Well, this is Sunday, um, 8 o'clock European time, I think uh, I said before. I ooh, I can see this going to extra time. I could, even, I could even see it going to penalties. But at the end of the match, um, I think Spain could win it, to be honest, Vince. Um, and I wouldn't be disappointed if Spain did win it, but I can see Spain win it. I've got to say I'm in a lucky position because, quite frankly, I don't mind which of those two teams wins. I thought Spain has played some great games. They've played some really, really nice football. So I won't be surprised if they edge it. Uh, but I just think England have just got the bit between the teeth now. And I think once they do that, they do seem to show a little bit. Now, against Australia, I thought they were really, uh, really good. So I'm going to put, put England down as the winning team, but I don't think there'll be much in it. I think it's going to be... Uh, I think there'll be goals, something like 3-2 or something like that. So there we are. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, whichever team wins, we don't lose, do we? I mean, we'll, we'll be happy, proud of whichever team wins, will we? Well, indeed, I think um, I think it's been a great tournament. I think the fans have looked good. I think it's been well put together. It's been a marketing exercise, and the idea has been to deflect as much as you can from the men's game. So, okay, fair enough. It's up to you. Um, but um, you know, I just I'm very suspicious of the whole lot. But then again, I'm suspicious of everything at the moment. Right. So we're going to look at uh, what went on last week because you and I did very well for an opening weekend and nobody mm. really knew how the teams would work uh we started off with burnley at home to man city now i put it down for a nil one you put it down for a one three well you were closer in actual fact because city uh, came out winners nil three uh he guardiola and co were in good company of course uh, but um, Burnley didn't look a pushover, but then again, they did what I anticipated they do. Made life a bit difficult for the old man who uh, basically was coming in with one of his new boys and his team. So, what did you think of that game? Well, um, it, it was, as we sort of suspected, wasn't it, before the match? I mean, uh, Burnley recently promoted, although they only got relegated, uh, I think, last season, previous season. With Vincent Company in charge and Pep Guardiola being old friends, um, I think Pep Burnley showed that they have got that they've got the quality. But Man City are Man City, aren't they? And uh, an ill-three result is the first. It's the first match for Burnley, but I think Burnley have got something to show. Well, of course, Man City also have had to have one eye on the uh, game that they played last night. We didn't even sort of mention that. Did you have anything? Uh, did, did you watch any of it? No, I didn't actually know. What, what they played last night uh, What Europe, Man City. Europa League winners played the Champions League winners, didn't they? Oh, did they? Yeah. I, I didn't realise that, Vince. I, I, um, I, yeah, there's so much football goes on. Um, I suppose I should keep up, 
up to date with these kind of things, but I didn't even realise that, you know. Well, it, I could have I could have watched it probably because uh, I wasn't doing anything else. Well, well, exactly. I mean, this is my point. You see, you get so um, drawn into all this that that if you're not careful, uh, it becomes just nonsense, doesn't it? You know, you you, you get to the stage where uh, your life is taken over by just watching football, and I think that's the plan. I think that's what it's all about. It does become a bit baffling, doesn't it? Sometimes when there's so many matches going. So Man City played last night in the uh, European Super Cup. Against, um, did they win? Against was it against Sevilla? Wasn't Sevilla. Okay. Yeah, I, I knew it'd be against Sevilla, but uh, who won? So uh, I'm looking to see whether it turned up as a headline. Uh, didn't turn up as a headline anywhere. So uh, I thought they were going to penalties because it was very tight, but then I didn't see what happened at the end. I was just too busy, you know, just too busy. It's quite quite simply, really. Uh, you know, you can uh, pretend that you watched it, but I didn't. I was just so busy with, with doing everything else um, that I'm looking around now. It doesn't even give you the results. All right, so we don't know who won. Any listeners who can... Uh, um... Well, That's Vince on, the, on his, on his uh, website. Please tell us who won that match because neither of us saw it. Um, maybe some of the listeners did see it. But, uh, yeah, there's so much football on, I didn't even realise it was on. But, but you would expect it to be there on, on the BBC website, for example. Here we go. Man City beat Sevilla on penalties to win Super Cup. There we ah, go. Ah, it was penalties. All right. Yeah. yeah, OK. That was about as near as I could get. Anyway... Uh, we go to our next Premier League game and I've got to keep an eye on the clock now because we're running a bit late. Um, yeah. And it was uh, Arsenal Forest. Um, I thought Forest actually gave a, a good account. We both thought that Arsenal would win. Uh, but I was I was quite impressed with, with Arsenal. I thought they, uh, Sorry, with uh, Forest. I thought they gave a very good account of themselves. Yes, they did. You got the results spot on, actually, Rich. You put it in as a 2-1, didn't you? And that was the result at the end of the match. Um, yeah, Forest showed that they can fight at the end. Could fight at the end of last season, and they're not going to rest back on their laurels at the beginning of this season. So yeah, they Forest are uh, up for it again. Arsenal obviously um, should be a superior team. They did win the match, but they didn't win it that easily. Okay, I'm not going to spend any time on Bournemouth one, uh, West Ham one because we both predicted that correctly. Uh, yeah. We both saw that. Um, Brighton would beat Luton, but it was the way they did it, 4-1. I mean, they were scintillating last year. And quite frankly, you know, new teams coming up are always going to uh, struggle against a team like uh, Brighton have been playing. So that's a, a team to keep an eye on this year. I won't be surprised if Brighton are still there or thereabouts, although selling players won't be helping their cause, will it? No, and also this is the first season that Brighton have ever been in, in the European competition, so they've got extra matches to play. But they've started off as they sort of finished last season. They had a really good season, didn't they? And Luton Town is the first time they've been up, I think, for I think since the Premier League started. Um, but yeah, the new boys got beaten four one, and Brighton showed their their quality and class. And um, I got it down as a three one, so I was nearly there. But yeah. Um, We'll have to see, Brighton, if, they, if they've got the pace, if they've got the stamina, yeah, they could they could have a high finish again this season. Now, we both saw Everton struggling at home to Fulham. We thought 1-2. Uh, uh, you thought 2-2. Two, two. It was actually just the one goal from Fulham, so I got that one right. Um, and Sheffield United, I also thought there'd be one goal in that, and that was uh, Sheffield United nil, Crystal Palace 1. So, uh, Roy working his magic there again. Now, the one I didn't see coming, uh, I thought Aston Villa would give a, a decent game to Newcastle. But then I didn't think Mings, I didn't see Mings being sent, uh, carried off, injured. Uh, Newcastle, five. Aston Villa, one. I think the score flattered Newcastle, if I'm honest. But you did see them winning. So, were you pleased with that one? Well, uh, not not really in the sense that you say. You see, Tyrone's Ty uh, in the first match of the season stretched it off, um, but um, yeah, New Newcastle um, they've got their sights on the higher things, haven't they? But I think the five-one result um, 
I don't think it gave justice to the way that Villa played. And uh, as as you mentioned, uh, losing means hopefully he won't be out for that long. But the first match of the season were the key players. Um, but yeah, 5-1 to Newcastle. I think we both said they were going to win, but uh, we didn't give the score that high. Yeah. Well, no, I actually thought they'd be. I thought there would be a draw. So uh, you know, I was wrong on that one. Um, <clears throat> but you thought that uh, Newcastle would win. Brentford two, Spurs two. Um, I thought Brentford would have beaten Spurs. You did see a draw, so we won't dwell on that too much because of time. Uh, Chelsea won, Liverpool won. I thought that was quite an exciting game. We both saw it down as a draw. Um, yeah, I thought that um, if anything, Chelsea should have maybe just shaded it. But um, but I was always happy to take a draw with the with the game at Chelsea. Yeah, it was a good match actually, wasn't it, Vince? And uh, I think the draw was a fair result. And we both had it down as a draw. And it's a, it's a good start for both teams, really. I mean, uh, they are both top teams. And uh, there's plenty of matches ahead of them. But, yeah, I, I think it was a good match. And a, a draw, the, I think it was a good result. The only rider that I would add in is that I think a little petulant display by Mo Salah might indicate his willingness to go off to uh, play in Saudi Arabia. Keep a, keep your eye on that one, because I feel um, the manager was right to substitute him. I mean, he plays awful. Really, he, he goes from sublime to ridiculous, and he just wasn't good. And no, I, I, I thought he was going to go during this transfer window, to be honest with you, but he's still there, so uh, obviously that's between him and Klopp. Well, I don't know but, why. He, yeah. I, I don't know why he didn't pull his tongue at uh, Klopp when he came off. I mean, he, he, he's a little schoolboy in that respect. But then again, yeah. maybe it's because he didn't want to come off. So give, give him the benefit of the doubt. Manchester United. I thought they were very, very lucky to come away with a win against Wolves. Uh, they won one nil. Uh, it should have been. Um, Wolves should have won that one about 4-0 OK, now look, we haven't got long So we've got four, right. four minutes to predict First one, Nottingham, Sheffield United Forest United, it's more or less a sort of derby, isn't it? But uh, they're both, um, I think it's going to be a one-all, Vince OK, I'm guessing you phone. I was getting yeah, I'll turn it off. Yeah, uh, I, th I think that's going to be a one all Vince. Okay, and 2-1 for me. Fulham-Brentford. Fulham-Brentford. Again, I, I'll put it down as a 2-1 to Brentford. No, 2-1 to Fulham, sorry. Playing at home. 2-1 to uh, Fulham playing at home. Okay, and I've got 2-2. Two -two. Uh, Liverpool-Bournemouth. Uh, Liverpool it's got to be Liverpool, this one, Vince. Um, Bournemouth come right down from the south coast, even though they're playing well. Uh, Liverpool at home. Uh, I've got it down as a 3 0 to Liverpool. Okay, look, anything can happen in the second game of the season, but if Liverpool yeah. don't show that they can score a couple of goals against Bournemouth, I will be surprised. So I'm going for a 2 0. Uh, Luton Burnley is postponed. I can't give you an answer as to exactly why. Um, Wolves. I, I can actually because Luton Stadium, the uh, Kenilworth Road um, Stadium, is being refurbished and it hasn't been finished. That's the one we have to go through. Uh, okay, two minutes to two, get there. Two minutes. Yeah, and that's why it's being postponed. Wolves Brighton. Wolves should win this because they're at home. Brighton are playing really well. Um, two all. One two for me uh, now. Just give me the score, please, because otherwise we won't get this finished. Spurs, Man United. Sam. Spurs, Manchester United. One two. Two two. Man City, Newcastle. Three one. One nil. Aston Villa, Everton. Yola Straw. Two one. West Ham, Chelsea. 2-1 to West Ham. 0-1. Crystal Palace, Arsenal. Uh, this is the difficult one. 2-3 to Arsenal. 1-3. And the last game, final score, England versus Spain. 
extra time, penalties, and um, either one could win it, and we'll be happy whichever one wins it. But I would say that I, I would give Spain the advantage, to be honest. Score, please. I mean, I mean watch both teams. Um, a draw, I'd say goal, two, two all draw at the end of 90 minutes, go to extra time, no extra goals, and then it goes to penalties, and Spain will win on penalties. OK, I think England will win 2-1 in uh, playing uh, open, uh, open play. OK. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Right, that's it. Uh, we've got everything done. I've managed to get us through with about 15 seconds for Rob to say his fond farewells. Rob, over to you. You always manage to do it, don't you, Vince? We get through so much and um, you always manage to get bang on. So uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed uh, our podcast today and uh, let's see what happens in the final of the uh, Women's World Cup. Muchísimas gracias, Rob. Eres un caballero. Now I'm ready. My pleasure as always. <laughs>